0: Our scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, good morning again. It's good to see you all. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that you are a good God. Father, we thank you for the psalms. We thank you for this psalm this morning. Lord, we pray for all those who are here that this psalm would be encouraging in the gospel. Father, we thank you for what you are doing among our two congregations, what you are doing through your church throughout the world this morning. Father, be with us now as we open your word to be encouraged in Christ's name. Amen. So this morning, we come to the end of the psalms, kind of quite literally, it is the end of our sermon series on the Psalms. I promise the rest of the sermon won't have as much alliteration as that just did. But that's what we've been doing, and it's one of the, uh, one of the things that we do every summer, and it's, it's wonderful because it's also what I did when I was in Iowa City. We would concentrate every summer on the Psalms, and so it's good to, to look at the Psalms. I find that every time I go to the Psalms, I love them more and more. And so it's maybe appropriate for us to ask, like, what what is the purpose of the Psalms? Why are they they in our Bible? What are they trying to do for us? And hopefully if you've been here and you've been listening to the various Psalms that have been preached, you're beginning to form an idea, or maybe you've already formed an idea of, of why we're doing this. The Psalms are designed to help us worship to help direct us in praise. And as we go through the Psalms, what we find is that the Psalms are designed to direct all of our life in praise. Every circumstance, every situation, to direct us in praise. Because we were created to praise. At the core of our being is this desire, this need to worship and praise something or someone. And what scripture tells us and what the Psalms tell us very directly is that praise, that worship is intended to be directed towards God. And one of the things that the Psalms help to make clear is that we struggle to do that. We struggle to direct all of our life towards God in praise. And even when we are praising God, maybe it's because we we have the volume maybe turned down to one or two because we're afraid of what it might look like, or maybe we don't even know what it would be like to turn the volume of our praise up to ten. And so that's what the Psalms are about. And this Psalm in particular is here for a reason. It comes at the end of the Psalms for a reason, and it makes its point very clear. Thirteen times it tells you what the purpose of this Psalm is, and what the purpose of all the Psalms are. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with loud with sounding cymbals, praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And if you ever want to know what's the purpose of a passage, one of the first and easiest things you can do is find the word that appears the most times and see if that's the thing that the that's really happening. And if you were to do that, you would count up in the very few words that are here 13 times the word praise is used and if you came to the conclusion, maybe the purpose of this psalm is to direct me in praise, you would be absolutely correct. That's what this psalm is trying to do. It's taking everything that we've learned so far and saying, Okay, here's what I want you to do. Praise the Lord. And so now maybe we would ask, why? Why why are we supposed to praise the Lord? Or how are we supposed to do it? And the psalm answers that. Even in six short verses, it's amazing how much the psalmist has got packed in here. We're supposed to praise everything about him. Praise him just for who he is. It says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in the mighty heavens. What this psalm is asking us to do is praise God for his Yahweyness, As Jeff mentioned last week and I've been mentioning kind of repeatedly through these psalms. Every time that you see this word Lord capitalized, it's the proper name for God. It's his personal name that he gave. A covenant name that's designed to remind people of who God is. That he's their personal God who loves them. And has promised to always be with them. And so what this psalm is saying is praise God just for his godness. Praise him for the fact that he's Yahweh. Praise him for the fact that he's the creator. Now the difficult part of this for us is that... What we're saying is, I am supposed to praise God for the fact that he is far better than I am. This psalm reminds us that he is the creator and we are the creature. And for some of us, that's a difficult place to go. To put ourselves in a posture of humility and saying, there is someone who is far better than me. There is someone who deserves worship far more than I do, far more than anyone. This person deserves worship and I'm supposed to praise him for it. Worship is a huge autonomy and idol defeater if you're worshiping God. It's saying, I don't worship myself, I don't worship anything else, I just worship God. And so this is the call to praise everything about him for who he is. And for what he's done, if you look at verse 2 it says, praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him for the fact, not that just that he exists, but praise him for the fact that he acts. So as you read this and it says, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness, you might rightly ask this question, well what did he do? You want me to praise him for the fact that he's God, okay. And now you're asking me to praise him for his excellent greatness and his mighty deeds. And so I'm going to ask, well, what, did you, what have you done? What did this person do to deserve this kind of praise? And this is why the Psalms exist. Because the Psalms tell the story of God's people. From Genesis... ...through Kings, which is probably during the time of most of these Psalms were... ...were, um, you know, put together. These people had an experience with God. From Genesis through Kings... ...the people of God learned who God was. That over and over and over again, He acted. He rescued them out of slavery. He provided for them when there was no other provision to be found... He opened up a sea in front of them to rescue them from Pharaoh's army. He rained manna out of the sky. He rained birds out of the sky. He led them by day and night with a fire. He made sure that their enemies fell in front of them when he led them into battle. He was with Abraham. He was with David. The Psalms tell this story... This story of God and his mighty deeds. Against the fact that over and over again, mankind didn't exactly respond so well. Remember, Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. God is talking to him. This is who I am. And this is who you are. And I've brought you out of the land of Egypt. And i brought you to this place. And I'm going to take you to the land of milk and honey. And while he's doing that the people are taking the gold that pharaoh sent them with after the plagues and he said just get out and take our money with you as a reminder of how awesome your god is and while moses is hearing from the lord the people are like ah eh, we should build a golden calf and despite mankind's frequent non-stop Failure ...to live up to what God had called them to do. God was the God of steadfast love and faithfulness... ...and never abandoned them. And so when the psalmist says praise him for his mighty deeds... ...that's what he's asking them. Remember that he's the God of steadfast love and faithfulness... ...and you are the people... ...who really struggle to get it. And to walk rightly. And he is the God of steadfast love and mercy. And so praise him for what he has done. Praise Him for all the Psalms, so think of, um, one of the things that, so hey kids, listen up, here's a thing that you guys are probably gonna always miss out on and I'm sorry about it, although it's kind of coming back, so the album, right, the thing that spins around on a table, that's coming back and that's a good thing, but when I was young we had albums and then we went to cassette tapes, well actually first it went to uh, 8-tracks, 8-tracks were awesome, Then it went to cassette tapes, then we went to CDs, and then CDs went out, then we went to all digital streaming music, and now we're back to the album. Albums are awesome. So there's there's a lot of kind of albums. There's just like just the regular album, there's the Greatest Hits album, and then there's the Concept album. So the Concept album is an album like, say, Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys, or Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. Or effectively, any Sufjan Stevens album is a concept album. And the concept album is laid out very meticulously where each of these songs go because the concept album is designed to be taken as a whole. It's like a whole experience like Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. you got to take the whole thing in. And if you just chop it up, you don't don't get the whole story. And the psalms are like that. The psalms have been laid out very meticulously. We start with Psalm 1, which seems to say... Blessed is the man who does everything right. If he does everything right, then everything awesome happens for him. Everything that he does flourishes. If you read Psalm 1 wrong, and you don't read the rest of the Psalms, you're going to come to a wrong conclusion about what Psalm 1 means. But very quickly after you get out of Psalm 1, you get into the, oh, wait a second. You have Psalms about, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Why so downcast Oh, my soul, why in turmoil within me? Why are my enemies arrayed around me? Why do I feel lost? Why do I feel depressed? Why do I feel like I can't go on anymore? Why do I feel like there's no hope at all? There's there's an entire psalm which ends with zero hope at all. Until you read the next psalm. Psalm 73 is, is a psalm all about God's people looking out... ...God's people who knew Psalm 1, sang Psalm 1... ...and then get to Psalm 73. And remember, they're singing this. It's on the album, right? It's on the concept album. Flip, the, flip it over to the B side ...and you get, um, yeah, about Psalm 1. The wicked are doing really well. They're really getting ahead. They have nice houses... They're fat and sleek, and they desire, they don't lack for anything, and everybody's following them. Why am I bothering spending any time, even bothering trying to be holy and do anything that Psalm 1 says? That's a song that people came into worship and sang. They also sang, and I realized that I was envious and arrogant, and I was like a beast before you, and I should praise you because. I'm not getting what I deserve. I started that psalm off thinking, why why are they getting what I deserve? And I end the psalm by saying, I'm thankful I'm not getting what I deserve. All of these are, are aligned perfectly to bring us to Psalm 150. Psalm 150 that reminds us that after we've gone through the entire album... And we've recognized who we are and the difficulty of our lives and the brokenness of society and everything around us. We have a God of steadfast love and faithfulness who never, ever, ever abandons us. And so we sing Psalm 150. That's why it's at the end. The story of God didn't end there though, of course. After God took the people of the promised land, they blew that too. ...and they end up going into exile... ...and God brings them back out of exile... ...and the story of God continued. And we know more than than the people who sang these Psalms know. We have a bigger picture of God and what he's done, what his mighty deeds include. We know that the mighty deeds of God now includes... ...him fulfilling the promise that he made to Adam and Eve... ...and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob... ...and King David... To provide salvation. To rescue mankind truly and fully. From the captivity of their own sin. And to do that through Jesus Christ. And so we get to add into the praise that they're called to praise God for in Psalm 150. With what we know which is that he has fulfilled his promise in Christ. To rescue us from our sins. To secure salvation. To secure our redemption. And so we praise God. ...everything about Him. And so maybe this morning the thing that I would ask you to do... ...is maybe just take an inventory of your own life... ...of your own story. If you were going to go into the recording studio... ...and record an album... ...of your life... ...and God's place in it... ...what would you sing about? What stories would you want to include on that album... And the good news of that album is it wouldn't just have to be how your whole life was roses and sunshine. You could put songs on there about the lowest points in your life. The places where you were blowing it as bad as you could possibly blow it. Where you felt abandoned. Where you felt like everything was against you. And you could include them on that album. And say through all of that God was with me in my deepest sin God was rescuing me. What would your album look like? What would it sound like if you were to put it together? If you were to put together an album where you're praising everything about him. And the psalm moves on asking us not to just praise everything about him but to praise everything that we have. To praise him with everything that we have. It says there's a diversity of instruments. Praise him with the trumpet and the lute and the harp and the tambourine and dance and strings and pipes and sounding cymbals. Now this is a great one. because If you're uh, like Jeff and I and Brent, we move in certain circles within the PCA and believe it or not, The PCA is not the only denomination in the world that has debates about what worship should sound like. Or what instruments should be allowed to be played. Or whether or not instruments should be allowed to be played at all. And the wonderful thing is Psalm 150 kind of answers that question. It kind of says, you know what? You praise him with whatever instrument you can find. Praise him with any instrument you can find. That's what it says, a diversity of instruments... And not only a diversity of instruments, but a diversity of talents. And so if I were to ask you, let's just do it. Let's have fun. You want to have some fun? Raise your hand if you can play an instrument. Raise them up high so I can see if you can play an instrument. Okay, keep your hands up if you all play the same instrument. Yeah, see, you don't know. You're like, I don't know. How would I know that? I don't know if I play the same instrument, right? I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know why my hand was up. I can't play an instrument. I, I can play a, a djembe, like I can beat on something maybe. But play, the thing is, is, is not everybody can play the same instrument. What this asks is to whatever talent you have, whatever instrument you can play, to play it for the Lord. To see whatever talent you've been given, to use it in praise of the Lord. And I love the fact that it actually includes dance. In, in Pelos, one of the things that we've been really blessed with over the last maybe six months or so... ...is we have about a half a dozen ballet students... ...men and women who are part of our congregation. And it is amazing to have them. And recently one of them said to me... ...we were talking about about dance and about ballet. They're with a a Christian ballet company called... uh, ...Ballet 5-8, I think it is. And one of them said to me... ...the wonderful thing about dance... ...is dance allows you to express emotions that you cannot say with words. And I thought, man, that's really helpful. It's really helpful to to understand and to think for a second that that's a gift. Like, I certainly cannot do any of those ballet moves, nor do you want to see me try. The skill that they have to be able to do that, the training that they do to be able to do it well is amazing. The physical shape that they are in is stunning. And yet they have a very proper view of the fact that they are called to do that as worship. To take all of your talents, to praise him with everything that you have. Think about that even vocationally. All all of your gifts, all of the jobs that we have. To see those as worship. To praise Him with everything that we have. Not just the diversity of trumpets and harps and tambourines and strings and pipes. But if everything is supposed to be praising God... ...that means that all of our vocations are supposed to praise God. That means computer programming, praising God. Nursing, praising God. Dentistry, praising God. Plumbing, praising God. Every vocation. Being a mom... Praising God. Being a father. Praising God. To praise him with everything that you have. And I love this phrase. I, a couple weeks ago Jeff and I were walking and I was making a comment on this psalm. And Jeff liked it so much that he used it last week. Which is awesome. I'm always happy to help. And here's, <laughs> it, but, it, but it's so perfect we're going to use it again. Right, because it, 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 it is absolutely perfect for this. It says right here, it says, praise him with sounding cymbals. And it doesn't have a period there. It's like the psalmist said, you know, as I imagine the cymbal being played. I imagine it really being crashed hard into the other cymbal. And so you've seen this Saturday Night Live episode, right, with the cowbell. It's, it's a pretty famous one with Will Ferrell. But it's not just that he says I need more cowbell, it's the way that Will Ferrell walks around in the studio clanging the cowbell really loud and and almost irritating everybody else in there. They're like, man, why are you so over the top with the cowbell? And Christopher Walken has this perfect role in there, you know, as the producer. He comes in and he goes, I got a fever and the only cure for the fever is more cowbell. And that's funny. You know what is, would be awesome is if you saw your life and your job and your vocation as cowbell. As a symbol, as a loud clashing symbol. If you walked into the office or into your home or wherever you are and you said I'm going to live out my vocation, my calling as if it were a loud clashing symbol and I'm going to do it. Dialed up to ten. For the Lord is praised. That's what we're called to do as God's people. Think about that. Not to praise him at like a two or a three or a four. But just to go over to the amp. And just turn it up to ten. And then just leave it there. That's that's the level of intensity that we're called to praise God with. This is the anti-frozen chosen verse. It doesn't imagine us as going. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. It imagines... Worship turned up to ten. So we praise him... ...everything about him... ...we praise him with everything that we have... ...and finally... ...we direct everything to praise him. This is the call to commitment. It says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So if you think back to this previous passage... ...where we have this diversity of instruments... ...one of the things that I think... ...let's do this again. Raise your hand if you play an instrument. Okay. Keep, we're going to do this. Praise your hand... Keep your hand raised if you can play two different instruments. Three different instruments. Four different instruments. See, hands are up, my hands shouldn't even be up. Five. Okay, almost all the hands are down now. So here's the beauty of this. Unless you're Brian Wilson, or Prince, or Sufjan Stevens, most of us who play an instrument, we only play one. Maybe two and maybe three. But what this passage does is it lays out a whole bunch of instruments that are very different from each other. And in doing so it's not just saying whatever talent you have use it to praise God but it's also saying we need a symphony to praise God. We need all kinds of instruments and you're not going to be able to do that alone. The world that I envision praising God in Psalm 150 ...is a symphony of instruments. It was never designed to be one instrument praising God. And this, I think, if you look back at the events of the last couple of weeks... ...where we've been at as a country... ...and the ugliness that we've looked at on television. We see a group of people who think that you know, this race or that race is, is the best race in this call to racial purity. That's the way things should be. And then you come to a verse like this that says no listen I, I need a diversity of people praising me with a diversity of instruments and this was always the call to the people of Israel. God placed them in a special place in Israel not to keep them ethnically pure but so that people would come in contact with them and say wow these people are wonderful. I should join them in praising their God. And the reason they got sent into exile is because they didn't do that well. And so God said, because you're not doing it well, because you're not appealing to other people, to the people around you, I'm going to send you into exile until you remember what your purpose is as a people. And that is to praise me and to gather more people to praise me. Because worship or mission exists, mission exists because worship is lacking. I think John Piper said that. And so this is our call as as we consider the fact that our mission statement is to experience and extend the life-changing love of Jesus. It's really all about the Psalms for us. It's really that we're called to experience the Psalms, to experience the grace of God in the midst of our sorrow, in the midst of feeling abandoned, in the midst of feeling surrounded by enemies, crashing in on every side of us. ...in the midst of watching the unrighteous... ...seemingly succeed while we're left behind. To experience the grace of God in every single one of those situations. To experience the life-changing love of Jesus Christ... ...that came to us by a God of steadfast love and faithfulness... ...who made a promise to Israel to rescue them and did so. And then to extend that out... ...towards other people... People who look like us and think like us and people who don't look like us and don't think like us. To extend the life changing love of Jesus Christ in our own homes, in our workplaces, and in our communities. To see Hinsdale and LaGrange and Willowbrook. ...and Downers Grove, all transformed by the life-changing love of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. That's what it says. And everything that hath breath is the sum total of that is not in this room this morning. That means that there's work to do. And that's good work for us to know that we need more instruments in here. Where did Brent go? Brent still in here? We, we need more instru- instruments up here. Wouldn't that be great? I would love it if I came back next week and there was somebody with cymbals the back there. And at just the right point, just wham! I'd be like, okay, that's, we're doing Psalm 150. This is perfect. But this is the call of this psalm. That we're supposed to praise everything about him. ...that we're supposed to praise Him with everything that we have. And that we're supposed to direct everything to praise Him. It is the call to experience and extend the life-changing love of Jesus Christ... ...in our homes, in our communities, and in our workplaces. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you. You are a good God. Father, we thank you for the story that you tell that you tell through scripture, and that you tell through the psalms. Psalms that remind us of how to direct our praise to you. Father, thank you for your mighty deeds. Father, thank you that you promised to save us and then provided Christ to do so. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. This morning you'll find a confession of sin in your bulletins and as I've said a few times throughout this as Luther said, we get to sin boldly. And by boldly I don't mean we should think to ourselves what's the most over the top sin I can commit but that we should think to ourselves when somebody says to us have you sinned we can say yes I have absolutely sinned. Absolutely and I own it and I don't have to downplay it at all. Because I have the grace of Jesus Christ. I don't have to downplay my sin. I can just own it. Because God has worked. And so we can confess boldly this morning. Follow along in the bold. Almighty God, so many of King David's psalms show a heart out of tune. Sighing, crying, and breaking with sorrow, yet still clinging to faith in you. So too, O Lord, are our hearts. In Jesus Christ, you have given us what we need most. His cross makes our forgiveness possible. And his spirit tunes our hearts again to sing your praises. Humbly we beg your pardon for our sins. Eagerly we plead your help to enthrone in our hearts David's son, Christ Jesus. King of the universe, our Savior and Lord. And with King David, we declare our trust in your unfailing love. Amen. Hear the good news of the gospel for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him let everything that hath breath praise the Lord praise the Lord thanks be to God.